When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So as far as like writing music and things like that go, um, I've lifted a lot of things from a lot of different things that I've listened to in my life. I mean, I've been writing songs for like, I don't know, 25 years and I've been like mostly writing them in MIDI and stuff and all that nonsense. But the idea of having two guitars interplaying with one another, one guitar just kind of hangs on a static note and the other guitar moves around and you just get this like kind of pedal tone of sound. Um, I think I've used that like 40 times in writing music and that part that we just faded out in on fable is exactly that. So it kind of goes to show you that like, no matter what you try to do and no matter what music you try to write, the things that you love are always going to come out in it. So, um, that's my intro back to Bar Down Breakdown. Hi, my name is Tom. You probably haven't. I had no idea you know, where the hell you were going. All that much. For the segue. <laughs> but uh, I haven't been around for a couple of months and now I'm back. Uh, hopefully I'll be back for a while. Uh, so thanks for listening. All the cool uh, um, messages and stuff I got. Obviously, just want to take a quick moment to. Uh, Shout out to my co-host here who uh, started up a GoFundMe for my medical expenses. And that was funded in like a week. It's just absolutely unbelievable. The people that reached out and helped out. And I know a lot of uh, listeners of the podcast, um, as well as uh, a lot of people from, you know, Isles meetups with Mikey and, uh, you know, Justin's friend group uh, that, you know, I just met recently in the past couple of years have uh, poured some stuff in. So that's awesome. I I can't thank you guys enough. That's been such a burden off of my back. So, um, and that's all. That's all of the uh, the whiny cry that I'm going to do. So uh, thanks for having me back, boys. Episode 204 with Nick Newsham of Gatsby's American Dream, The Money Pit. Um, 
now doing tons of features on some really, really cool music. And we're going to get to that and talk about all of that. Um, but episode four was the last time that we had Nick on. So 200 episodes ago, that's like, I don't know, five or six years or something. Uh, who knows how long ago that was, but it was long. Uh, but we're super stoked to have you on. Thanks so much, Nick. What's going on, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I'm just new to hearing about your whole story and everything that you've gone through to make it back to this episode. And uh, I don't know, kind of an honor, kind of feels like a special occasion. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, hell yeah, man. It I, is uh... a special occasion. Truly, like, you know, Tom is a friend, like a life friend at this point. Like, we're going on over 20 years of friendship and what has always been a common theme that really has helped keep our friendship alive. There's always been Gatsby's American dream. Like <laughs> that was like the band that Tom and I kind of realized when we were in high school that we mutually loved and like, didn't know it. And then like, it was the acceptance Gatsby's American Dream and Snake the Cross the Crown tour where Tom and I like I had an extra ticket and I was like yo you want to come to this show and he came and like because he was a fan and ever since then like we've seen you all over the country like yeah you were you guys were mentioned in his best man speech to me when I oh, got married damn. <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> so sure. like Hearing that you guys played, you know, the, this killer reunion show gave us such FOMO. Like, seeing all the stories of the sold-out show was just like, damn, how the hell did we miss that? Well, I mean, we practiced way too hard for there just to be, like, one show. So, like, <laughs> oh, that's definitely going to have some more. Um, we're just, like, figuring it out and kind of going at our own pace. So something that we were never really able to do. Uh we're like all grownups now. And so we can say, Hey, like in a couple months, we'll play here and a couple months we'll play here. And I'm going to hit the road for over 200 days a year. You know what I mean? So it's like a nicer way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to, am I sounding okay now? Yeah. You're good yeah. brother. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Cause you guys, like you guys paid your dues, you know, and you guys, you know, talked about it on, uh, you know, that song on the self-titled record where it's just like, you know, getting pumped of honey, you know, essentially, and just like kind of getting all of your love for this business ripped out of you just because you're getting bled dry, you know? And, uh, but you guys did it for a long time. I mean, you did DIY tours and toured around in a van and, you know, now you've gotten to the point where you have that luxury of saying, Hey, we can play once every, you know, once every couple of months, we can play this festival. We can jump on this, we can do that. And, you know, being well, that you are, well, no, I, yeah. I got, I got to say, like, we didn't really know that if we would have that luxury until we played this one show, because like, we had no idea how it was going to sell. We didn't know the, the sure. size venue to play. We literally had no idea, but like things went well. So now we can say like, yeah, you know, we can play some more, but like, there's a very good possibility that it was not going to go that great. I mean, okay. You sell tickets, but then the show sucks or like you play really mm -hmm. well, but nobody comes. I mean, yeah, there's different scenarios. So can I dive into some of the logistics just like about that reunion show? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because 200 episodes ago, you said there was a slim to no chance that you guys would do a reunion show because like of where your lives are at and like, you know, 
Rudy working for Amazon and Bobby working for the airlines and things like that. So like, when did things kind of start falling in place? Like did a booking agent or someone reach out to you and like, no, like basically, so I've always been down. I'm always like, I mean, I think I've, I've actually written about that in lyrics. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to fucking go. Let's go. I can swear. Are we good? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cool. Okay. So anyways, um, uh, I went to see Rudy play drums because Rudy was playing for some local band and I'm like, anytime Rudy would play, uh, I would go to watch him play because that dude is a God. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I wasn't the only one feeling that way. And I was at the show and I looked over my left and I saw Kirk, our bass player Gatsby, for those who don't know. Um, and I hadn't seen him in years and, but no, actually I had seen him. I went and saw his local band a couple of times. So I haven't been like actively trying to get the band back, but I'd been like injecting myself into scenarios in which maybe a couple beers will be had and we'll have a conversation. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden the three of us are at Rudy's show and it was just like, yo, should we do this again? It's like, I'm down. So there's three people right there. You know, we don't got much further to go. And then that's kind of when the talk started to uh, happen. And that okay. was probably six months ago or something, a year ago. But like being kind of removed from the game a little while, like did you guys even know like how to a- a- approach like the venues that are around and still like venues that are still around from your touring days? And like, you know, you guys did the show in LA, which is not your hometown market. So like how, how did that come about? That is a wonderful question. That, it seems, was decided without any uh, conversation. Um, I believe we like, first we had to start a group thread, right? So that was like step one into getting anything done. We have to be able to communicate with each other. And then somewhere in that, I believe it was like Kirk was like, I talked to Dave, we're down, we're going to play LA in, in May. And I was like, or in April, sorry. And I was, I was like, oh, I would have loved to talk about that a little bit (laughs) but i'm like all right i guess we got a date and we got to hit it so then it was just on from there and i mean uh in hindsight i wouldn't have had it any other way but um it it was like this is happening um and it's fun because like next we get we still like we still get to hit seattle like we still get to hit other markets and stuff um la was a very good like litmus and so uh and like it went way better than any of us could have thought so the whole thing's encouraging yeah now seeing pictures like it seemed like one of the bigger rooms that you guys have headlined like even when you guys were at kind of your peak it it seemed like there were thousands of people there which is kind of like uh looks looks can be deceiving and uh i mean i'm not gonna like tell you how small that room was but it was not thousands of people <laughs> but it was a super nice theater the teragram is dope um and uh yeah we sold it out so that was like we did not expect that at all and, and like the other thing too is nostalgia really gets the best of people you know um a lot of bands you know at the you know quote unquote peak of their careers you know like you look at a a band like American football, like I use this example all the time, like they, you know, when they were actually writing and curating music, you know, during their most quote unquote influential time, 
you know, they were playing in rooms of 50, 60 people, you know, they decide they're going to come back and you know, now they're selling out Webster Hall. It's just because the time elapses and people get re-enamored with this music and now it's multiple generations. Now it's, yeah. you know, the one generation who remembers it from the mid nineties and the next generation of, you know, kids from the 2010s that realize how influential American football was for, you, 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 you know, Jimmy Eat World or Taking Back Sunday and, right. and it, it just keeps moving along. So you guys are kind of like smack dab in that lineage of where, you know, it, it was the mid 2000s. This kind of music was just branching off and, and developing and it was getting really popular. So, you know, you had, you know, bands like Paramore, you know, who, you know, were just a fueled by ramen band that all of a sudden now is, you know, playing arenas and, yeah. uh, you know, 21 pilots and like all of these bands that were, you know, instrumental towards that group of time and moved forward. So I think that's kind of a lot of what you get, you know, is like people that remember Gatsby for, for <clears throat> what it was and all of the bands that came forward that kind of used Gatsby's formula. And, you know, now you're, you're, you have a bunch of new fans. And I think that's a great yeah. thing. It is. It was cool, like to see like some kids who are seventeen get on stage to to crowd surf and to know every word. And it's like, how this happen? Like, I'm like, there's a lot to. Uh, I I don't know what to expect, man. We haven't played a Gatsby show in like 15 years, so I all of it. There's like a new thing people are doing now where they can make their phone like have a scroll message across it to like get oh, your attention. Yeah. So people were like requesting songs that way. So it'd be like Dragon of Pandora. And it was like going across and like, <laughs> that's new. I did not remember that shit. Like, <laughs> but I, I think it. you guys got to give yourselves credit though, too, because like you said, you haven't played a show in 15 years. And I think Terragram can fit standing room like 625. Like, yeah, that's like buns to wieners, 625. It was, yeah. That so, I it. mean, getting 600 people out in Los Angeles to a show where a band hasn't played in 15 years, like, that is amazing. Or released any music. Or released any music since 2006, I think. So, so then, like, okay, so this the, the show starts and I do, like, the intro of Volcano. How could you understand the way yeah. I feel? So I do that off stage because I wanted to do, like, a theatrical, like, I come out when the guitars hit and the lights come on. It's a whole thing. Well, I'm off stage singing that intro and I hear everybody singing it like so much louder than I could have anticipated. I was like, Oh, it's going to be like that tonight. I mean, I had no idea what to expect. Dude, it's like one of our craziest crowds. Like the enthusiasm was out of control. Um, it was like emotional kind of like, yeah. And like, I'm still getting my head around it really, but I guess it kind of feels like, like we never really got money or fame for doing anything, but I know that we like, I mean, I sweated and put like, I had 8 million conversations at the merch table every night for like eight years. Like that shit doesn't mean nothing. It doesn't go yeah. away. Like we, yeah. we put out all these records and it meant something to people. And it was just like this big, like mirror of, uh, of like gratitude and like, um, uh, just like uh, it wasn't for nothing. Like this shit meant something. Cause mm -hmm. like I was there, it meant something to me, but like, so was everybody else, dude. So yeah, just love and like, just, it just feels good, man. <laughs> and it's awesome because um, a band that was kind of grinding it out, at, like 
the same time that you guys were, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with them, the sleeping out I've of long. Yeah. You know, they, they had a similar path where like they had a predator like label that didn't really like take care of them. And like they were on victory. So, you know, about victory yeah. and like they made no money and grinded just as hard as you guys. Yeah. And then they just had their reunion show a couple of months ago at this point. And it was like the most gratifying thing for them because it sold out in minutes, the, the show. And like now they're putting out some some new music and yeah. it just like sparked the fire again. 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can relate. That's fucking cool, man. But hey, like it doesn't go that good for everybody, you know, no. like um, I mean sorry like not to be morose but like i just read about this like skylit drive guy uh, oh yeah who just over. passed now i'd never even really heard of them but like i wikipedia deep dived and like for every like warm and fuzzy story like this there's always there's also some other shit um so i don't know that i guess that just adds to like the gratitude and feeling grateful for the situation because it's been this long and we're healthy and we're still able to do things like sing and play guitar and sit. Like, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's a beautiful thing for real. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you were familiar with the, when we were, when we were young festival and like some of those that have been kind of nostalgia festivals that are popping up. Like, are you ready to throw the Gatsby name in there and be like, yo, we're ready. We played our show. Like we want in next time. Uh, you know, probably by like a festival by festival uh, basis. We did have like, um, I think we had a couple offers this year, but we just wanted to play a club first. And like, I've always enjoyed playing a club better. It's just better everything really yeah. sound, e literally everything. Um, <clears throat> however, uh, saves the day is playing. We were young this year and they're going to play, uh, can't slow down and in reverie like the two favorite my two favorite albums so i might have to go just for that performing or not <laughs> yeah that's um man that's what a what a thing i mean I, I wish i could be there for it you know saves the day is you know one of the most important bands to me you me know, too man yeah. just listening listening to to that and coming up and you know uh in reverie just got uh, repressed on on vinyl uh, through, uh, through a small label which is uh you know what i have wanted to talk to you know you about being that uh you know there's a good chunk of your discography that isn't uh available on record so uh you know given the success of the last show is that something you guys have toyed around with you know possibly trying to get volcano or the self-titled out we have tried uh and we just don't really get any emails back or anything now that could be because our last album was a big fuck you to the record label so like i that could be a coincidence or yeah. uh <laughs> um at, on the other hand like I, they've been like sold to like a hedge fund just essentially and it's like a meg it's like a um it's a legacy media group who owns a collection of not only fearless's records but like a bunch of other stuff and they just kind of I don't know. In my opinion, I think they just kind of throw it in a vault and like, it's not like it's a big earner or even. So no, we can't, we don't have access to that. I would love, maybe, maybe with doing stuff again, we, there might be an Avenue. If anybody's out there listening, that has me help in this area. I'm all ears. So uh, I'm I'll, ready to give you an idea. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Re-record it like Taylor. I was just, yeah, just re-record it like Taylor like, Swift. Yeah. You got Casey Bates in the back pocket, like, "Yo, Casey, re-record this. Let's go." And that's not an anomaly in the uh, in the in like the alternative industry. Thrice just did it. Yeah, yeah. and it was uh, people it. loved it. Yeah, with with the artist in the ambulance. I almost really, really think cool. that it sounds better now I, with like yeah, yeah. vocals. It sounds better now, and then the the features that they put on it. I mean, they had. You know the dude from Architects on it. The dude from Curl Up and Die on it. You know it's. Uh, oh, so they they pump features into the original. Yeah. Now, yep. did they write new parts or did they sing existing parts? No, it was pretty much the entire record verbatim. The only thing I did notice, though, and just because I'm a music nerd, is uh, I, I never thought the lead in um, oh, what the hell's the name of that song? Uh, can't think of the name of it. It's like the fourth track. It. It's called Silhouette. That's the one. And I never thought the the lead on it sounded right in the original recording. And then when I heard it re-recorded, it sounded like it made sense finally. So I was like, oh, maybe they actually like, you know, fucking got weird and then changed it. But <laughs> I think um, uh, somebody agreed with you this whole time, probably. Yeah, Tepe <laughs> probably just changed yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but Four Year Strong did it too. I mean, you know, they yeah. re-recorded Enemy of the World, and you know. I, I like that concept. Like I wish more bands would do that. And the reason I wish more bands would do that is because let's use Gatsby as an example, right? Mm-hmm. So Volcano came out in what, 2005? That's right. So, okay. So let's say 2025, 20 year anniversary, right? So imagine if the whole band goes into the studio, 20 years matured, mm-hmm. matured musically, matured sonically, from where you guys were when you wrote that record like i would love to hear your spin on it today and not necessarily that i'd want it to be different like i'd kind of want it to be close to the source material but obviously you're not going to sing the same way that you sung on the record and you know the other thing that's true is you write a record you put out a record and then you spend years performing it on the road and I feel like you find ways to get more comfortable vocally, change things out that sonically make sense to you. So like, for instance, you know, you could sing a chorus a completely different way that you feel fits better than what's on record. Yeah. You put it out on this re-record and it's like, oh my God, I get to hear this reinterpretation. And I think that's such a sweet thing. So if I ever become like a multi-billionaire, like somehow, if like... <laughs> you know, of sacks of money just fall on top of my head. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just be like, Hey, I'll pay you a stupid amount of money to just do what I want you to do <laughs> for me. And then if it sells, it sells. And if it doesn't, I've have multi billions of dollars. So it doesn't really matter. You're totally right about that though. Like songs that uh, you record them. And then honestly, you're way better at singing them and shit. Like a couple months after you record them, Yep. And then there's stuff that comes up. You go, oh, I, I should have sang it like that, but now it's what everyone knows as the song. But so it yeah. happens constantly. Yeah. And I mean, you you did get a chance on you know with with the Badlands. I mean, like you put it out on the EP, and then it kind of got reworked for the full length a little bit. You yeah. know, so you kind of have that opportunity, and I I love that. Like I love when you know bands have a like a primordial version of a song, and then like a more developed version of it. And the especially cool thing is when you get to see, you know, bands play live and they're playing new music before it comes out on record. I have this story that I'll never forget. I was uh, at the downtown Long Island where you guys have played 
yeah, countless times. I can't tell you how many times you've played there, but you've played there a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Coheed and Cambria was playing, and uh, this was in between the release of the second stage Turbine Blade and uh, In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. And they played uh, the opening track to In Keeping Secrets. And it was like the early version of it. And it was like so much different than what it ended up being on record. Like it was like way shorter and, you know, didn't have a lot of the theatrics that they put in. And it's just kind of cool to see bands you really like and how the stuff develops um, over time. So, uh, but, you know, whatever whatever we can do to get more music on record so I can buy it is just, I gotta say the, the why we fight and ribbons and sugar vinyl look amazing. Yeah, yeah. they do. I have ribbons and sugar and uh, they did a great job with the collection. (laughs) Did a really good job with that. Um, It's tough. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm repping my homie near mint who is a big, big proponent of, uh, of you guys. And he's, he's told me he's reached out to you guys to try to see what was up in the past, but you know, they have been doing some records from that 2000s era. I just got uh, my, uh, that forgive dirt and Rosie's shadow. I just got yeah. that. To you, man. Yep. And, and definitely great that you brought that up because I have that record sitting right next to me. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's like right across the room. <laughs> and uh, you know, that is something that I think is still to this day, uh, way ahead of its time. I, I, you know, that whole theatric production put into the, like the realm of alternative music. It just like, I feel like it's something that like, you know, I, I, don't roast me for saying it, but it's like, you know, pinball wizard by the who, you know, it's like your quintessential, like, you know, kind of rock opera and here's an emo opera happening. And, you know, I mean, You've got you featured on it. You've got Aaron from Me Without You. You've got, um, I Max. mean, like, yeah, you got Max. You got Chris from Saves the Day. You've got uh, um, John Gurley from, from Portugal. John Gurley from Portugal, who there, forget it. That was actually uh, one of the things I wanted to, it was like the first thing I was going to bring up when we did 2000s emo roulette that you heard about off camera. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's coming. I'm I'm doing a roulette and I won't step on it. Talk about he's gonna have to talk about a bunch of bands. So um <laughs> I'm I'm stoked for it. But yeah, what a cool presentation. You know, uh Corey from Near Mint did such a great job on it. Um and uh you know I I I, I have had conversations with him about you know volcano and the self-titled record and he's like dude if if i could get my hands on it he was like it's going down he was like but you know he kind of echoed the same sentiment where you know it got sold off and it's just sitting around and you know these companies don't license they just don't like it's hoard yeah they just think that they would want to license it out because that would be a more of a return on their overall investment since Mm -hmm. they purchased it rather than the what eight percent of a penny that they get from streams well according to them i think we're still recouping for our music video (laughs) (laughs) we never saw i mean yeah anyways yeah it's just that's always it oh yeah a couple more records and then you'll break even and then you'll start getting royalties it's like or whatever they said when we were kids hard to remember Yeah. yeah the same old song and dance yeah exactly so, um, you know, we, we did talk about how 
the success of the reunion show has kind of lit the fire for you guys to maybe play like one-off dates here and there. What about like getting into the studio and like me, you know, I know that like that modern man, like EP kind of came out, but there's like a few other tracks that kind of are sitting around, haven't really surfaced yet. And then like maybe having that come out as like a full length, like adding a few more tracks to that and getting some more music out. Mm, I mean, that's one, that's one way to do it. Like there's a million different ways to approach that. Uh, Yeah. Like I think I have like two, you know, there's random B sides and Gatsby's stuff out there, but um, I don't know if it's necessarily like something we feel comfortable releasing just because I don't know. I feel like our bar has always been pretty high of like, if we release it, it's like, it's some real shit that we're proud of. So mm-hmm. we don't want to tarnish any, I don't know, like our track record and uh, is pretty high. So I don't know. We'll see. I just like to, we've talked about writing new music. We just wanted to get the show under our belt first. Um, but I'm always elbowing Ryan. Hey Ryan, I know you got some riffs, dude. Send me some riffs and let me write some shit. Uh, but you know, that being said, like, playing live um bob isn't part part of the live thing but like who's to say if he wants to be part of the writing the new stuff so uh, there's like more than a million different conversations that need to have before we start discussing like music like new music but um i'm itching to be creative for sure and i know i'm not the only one so it doesn't seem like too far-fetched i love it and you mentioned Bobby and I, I noticed from like the promo pictures, he wasn't in them. Um, but Ryan came back. Like Ryan, I know Ryan was kind of like an original member and then kind of yeah. took a couple of years off and then came back at the very end. I, I can't remember the lineage of how that went, but it, it was cool to see that he was back in the picture. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if Kyle's going to come in and play like keys on, you know, this live show. Yeah. yeah but- so, um, well, yeah, Ryan. I mean, Ryan had to hold down like basically two guitar parts and learn them all into one. And it's hilarious. People were th- people accused us of piping in Bobby's guitar into the show. <laughs> and Ryan's going, I worked too damn hard to have people thinking that my guitar is... backtracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty good, dude. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, before we uh, get into a little bit of crack and talk, because uh, you know we we get the opportunity to talk about uh, how cool their season's oh, going. Oh, look at that! Got, is it, isn't it nice that we have a Seattle Ooh. fan on the podcast? We that, sure do. That is dope, man. I I love it. And uh, you know the other the other thing I, I love is um, you know getting really really good fidelity sound. Uh, you know, out of uh, a great set of earbuds. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of using over the head uh, headphones, but you know, when I'm not able to, uh, you know, be at home, you know, I don't like to take my over the head headphones out, uh, you know, so I use earbuds and, uh, you know, with coffee starting at like five bucks without any customizations and our bank accounts are always somehow depleting. We're officially entering a dupe session, right? So most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name, you know, Sony, Apple, and all that crazy stuff. So a good duplicate or a dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality, best price. One dupe you should you definitely should not sleep on are the Raycon wireless earbuds. It's premium audio at the perfect price point. So you can listen to what you want when you want without breaking the bank. So, you know, if you're like me and you want to have a second pair of headphones just to take out in the wild when you're 
I don't know, taking the train when you're just, you know, doing yard work or whatever. That's what Raycon's good for. And their mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality, sound, and essential smart tech listening features. So you can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would for some of those other companies, uh, you know, and in this economy, every purchase needs to be exact. So they offer buy now, pay later options. You can pay as low as 18 bucks at checkout, which is really cool. Uh, they offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks, free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews, 50,000. That's crazy. Um, and they've got a ton of great features. They've got noise isolation. So you're not going to hear what's happening outside and you're just going to get the full sound inside. They have crystal clear call quality. If you're, uh, you know, like me and you used to be on the phones for like, you know, half of your fucking life, you could just totally get some great, you know, uh, quality out of that. And then, uh, you get eight hours of playtime, which is like, you know, in their everyday mode, which is awesome. Eight hours of playtime. So you could listen to the Gatsby record, like, I don't know, 53 times or something. So you can do that. So you can go by Raycon.com slash THPN today and you get 15% off your Raycon order. That's by Raycon.com slash THPN. And that's going to score that 15% off. Again, that's buyraycon.com slash THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, love a good set of earbuds, you know? Love a good set of earbuds. Um, but let's Amen. talk some Seattle Kraken hockey, man. Dude, um, way to knock off the <laughs> defending champs. Uh, what a hell of a story. I mean, you know, the Golden Knights had a hell of a story when they expanded into the league. And now the Kraken have this story as they've expanded into the league. Um, I, I see a lot of similarities between those teams. They're able to put together a pretty good core um, as an Islander fan. Uh, you know, I was all too happy to get rid of Jordan Eberle in that contract. And of course he's over there lighting it up, you know, Scoring one overtime the, winners. Yep. One of the, one of the best players on the team. Uh, crazy to think. So, uh, I guess the first question I, you know, I have for you is, uh, uh, have you been following the playoffs? Have you been, uh, you know, kind of watching them, them get out there? What, what are you thinking? What are you seeing? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, second year team. Uh, so like, yeah, I'm a new fan to hockey, but I'm on the ground level of this thing. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I've been like, I probably went to like six or seven games this year, all with my same buddy. Yeah. And, uh, I got like the uh, tentacle arm sock thing that you put up in the air. Oh, that's, uh, that's so cool. Uh, like the, the uh, Climate Pledge Arena and the whole production is just like out of this world cool and fun. And uh, oh, I mean, okay, so about the playoffs. Uh, so we were playing, we were um, playing a show with Memory Drip, who's members of Fear Before the March of Flames. Singer is Dave, who's a diehard Avalanche fan. And it was the, and like, we're literally doing sound check. And I'm like, it was game five. It was, it was game six that night of the show, I believe. And I elbowed him and I'm like, Hey man, go crack it. And he's like, ah, and, and so he was telling me how the avalanche had like more players missed games than like any team ever due to injury, due to whatever. Yep. Yeah. Then that motherfucker comes to Seattle and the four seasons hooker gets him. Do you know about this? No. no. <laughs> One of the best players for the Avalanche didn't play because there was a Russian hooker at the Four Seasons Hotel in downtown Seattle and the cops got called and she was 
bloodied up and he oh, was all that, covered in blood. Oh, Valerie Niskushin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and and so then blood. they're already dealing with injuries. And then that guy couldn't hang with freaking Seattle prostitutes, apparently. So I think we got him there. I think it was probably an inside job. But anyways, <laughs> and then he, he didn't get arrested or nothing. He just took uh, some time off for some personal reasons. Yeah. Amazing. Extradited him back to Russia, wherever the fuck he's from, man. You got a lot that, more hookers. That was that was the shadiest thing. Yeah. And I remember when when it broke, when the news broke before like the actual story broke. Yeah. They were just like, oh, Niskushin's gone. We don't know how long he's gone for, and we don't know why he's gone, but right. he's gone. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, I'm thinking here, like he got like extradited back to his home country because he's like a spy or something or like his entire family got massacred but here he is just like beating up a hooker like yeah. what is going on and what's going just like what's going on in general with hockey players man stop beating up hookers just chill is out is that a thing well, doing, is that like a doing that blow and beating up hookers those yeah, are the two things just you know it's, it's they go the hand in hand just don't it's, it's the uh, Stanley so, Cup, yeah. dude. Once you win that thing, you just lose your fucking mind. It's like a 1980s skid row band. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it, man. So then, uh, and then on to like last night's game, which was incredible. Um, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but last night we won game one against uh, whoever we were playing. I'm Dallas? still figuring it out. Dallas Stars, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm the worst. Uh, in fact, when I was talking... <laughs> When I was talking to Dave, uh, I'm like, I'm like a new hockey fan kind of elbows me and he goes, uh, oh, so you're still like trying to kind of figure out what icing is and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to say, but yes, I am. Um, Although I'll tell you what I love, offsides, because the Kraken would not have won if that goal was not called offsides by the Avalanche. So that was pretty lit. Yeah, learning yeah. learning hockey is is a cool thing, man. I it it really is. Like my uh my wife, you know, I've gotten her to watch a couple of hockey games. Uh, you know, we went to uh we have a, an ECHL team in Orlando called the uh, Solar Bears and um you know, like we took her to uh you know, to a game for my birthday and it was just like she she got really super into it. So, you know, I had her watching a couple of Islanders games, but you know, every time the whistle would blow, she would um you know, be like, you know, what is this? What is that? What is this? And I mean, it's, it's not the easiest game to, um, to pick up, but you know, there are a lot of similarities to, you know, soccer, uh, you know, in, in the game. So, you know, if you're a soccer fan, you tend to pick it up a little bit quicker, you know, cause the whole idea of being offsides and all that kind of stuff are, are, are very similar, but um, yeah, there's, you know, a, a ton to learn about it and the nuances of it. But once you do, you really start to enjoy watching it. So last night I do a like bar trivia and then like a block away and the score was like two to one. And then I got to the bar like a block away and it was four to three or it was like we scored more goals in a shorter amount of time than any anybody ever in playoffs history, I believe, yesterday. That's and then sick. I started a let's go crack and chant at the bar after we won in overtime. And then is this, okay, tell me this, is this a hockey thing? When something good is going on, do you like wrap your knuckles on a table or something? And like instead of clapping, do people do like a rap on the table thing? Or is that, that just, might be a Seattle uh, I get, thing? I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like everybody, everybody kind of cheers differently, but like, yeah, you know, it could, it could be like a Kraken thing, you know, like the rumbling of the f- fucking Kraken under the water, maybe. Or it could be like a pirate thing. Cause pirates used to do that too. Like just like wrap their yeah. knuckles on a table and bang. 
I think it's pretty Scandinavian too. Like maybe there's yeah. something like that. Okay. Oh, All right. Norwegian, I'm still figuring stuff know? out, but dude, I'm in no hurry to like know everything. I just like, I'm going to organically just like learn the learn the sport and enjoy it. It's, it's a blast. It was like the first time I ever watched Beer Fest and I saw all of these different drinking games that I'd never played in my life. You know, <laughs> like when they like were a doing a uh, disc on the on the floor. Yeah, when they were doing this thing, you know, like the, oh. the thing. I, I never knew what that was until I watched that movie. And then I was like, oh, this is an awesome drinking game. And then you play <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, since you've been going to games and taking in the in-game experience, you know, with Seattle being like one of the heartbeats of you know alternative music and, and grunge music do they mix some of that in like between stoppage and have like some some pretty sweet music playing throughout the game dude okay every single time the kraken score a goal it goes dan 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 and everybody goes stops and goes let's go kraken <laughs> kurt Cobain is rolling in his grave dude like the first couple times I was there, I was like, no shit, this is what they're doing. They're doing like a Nirvana intro, just followed by Let's Go Kraken. And all the tech geeks who aren't from here, like, yeah, I'm going to Seattle hockey game, Nirvana, you know? And and then I, all grizzled locals like me are just going like, this is bastardizing everything. And then you go to a couple more games and then you say, I'll grab another beer, give me a popcorn and Dan, Dan, let's go Kraken skin, dude. Just in. I don't give a fuck. And awesome. I think I think they started. I think when they first started, they played like Lithium by Nirvana too. So like they're just like going all in on kind of like just Nirvana instead of like all the other like well, really good. Something really cool that they did was they took the college radio uh, KEXP. It's like a pretty famous indie rock radio yeah. thing. Yeah, and they moved the headquarters like onto Climate Pledge Arena. So like nice. they oh, run all the music. Like my buddy's local band that doesn't even draw that much was the house band at the Kraken game the other day. Uh, awesome. And it's like up above in the third story and there's just a band set up there. And it's like a band that you'll go see for $10 at the local bar. And it's like, they do cool stuff like that. It's super neat. I love that. Yeah. That, that That's what this podcast is all about. Got to embrace it, man. You got to yeah. embrace it for sure. Um, just like, you know, the funny thing about that is like, it's true. Like with what Kurt Cobain was about and how much he hated commercialism, he would literally be just like <laughs> hating this right now. But, you know, I think that a lot of sports is, is, is kind of like picky that way, you know, like, or I shouldn't say picky. I should say like more like um, kind of takes the stereotypes of a city. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I feel like, for me, when you look at gritty and you think about the city of Philadelphia, like they are one in the same, like disheveled, insane, like just fucking nuts. And like, that's your typical Philly sports fan. And it's and just the fanatic. Like, the fanatic is the same way. Yeah, the fanatic, yeah. you know, where he fucking, you know, beats up Charlie, you know, yeah, yeah. Man, you know, it's just, it's bad. It's bad for business, but um, I guess, you know, if that's what they think they're going to do, they're like, we're just going to embrace the fact that, Nirvana was here and like not even Pearl Jam or Soundgarden or none of them. Or just Foo Nirvana. Fighters. I mean, Foo Fighters is technically DC, but still. But I mean, like so much, you know, came, came out of there, but I love it. At, at least, you know, it gives people something to clap about and it's better than the storm surge. So, well, and, the, and the, I mean, that's what the supersonics were doing. It was just, this is where Boeing is. So we're yeah. the supersonics. It's the same shit. 
we just got to be known for music and other stuff along the way. So, yeah. Now we, we mentioned it, you know, 200 episodes ago that you're a huge basketball fan as well. And you were like heartbroken when the, the Sonics left, you know, has there been rumblings like since, you know, the arena's there and it's very popular right now, like, bringing an NBA team back or are there any rumors and things like that floating around? Yeah, that's supposed to happen, but it's like been supposed to happen forever. But then like uh, my favorite podcaster, Bill Simmons, he said like on good authority, he has it that like we're NBA is definitely expanding, getting two more teams or they're going to make one team. So it's going to be basically going to be Vegas and Seattle. Yeah. Um, And that's like supposed to be a done deal, but we don't know any details. We have no (laughs) idea who's a, like in ownership or there's been there's been literally no details so it's just speculation but people who know seem to say that it's definitely happening and i feel like that can go quick like you have the arena in vegas you have the arena in seattle like that's the probably the hardest part (laughs) i don't know that uh, i don't know about the nba and climate pledge that's i think it's a big sticking point in seattle uh okay yeah well i know like like especially with like the Dallas stars, cause the stars and the Mavericks play in the same stadium. Like they have a way where they can melt, like get the ice down and put the court on within like an hour. A so, lot of teams share. Yeah. Right. And then climate pledge here, climate pledge arena is a, uh, it's also like the biggest venue in downtown Seattle. And so yeah. this past summer I went and saw the killers, Oh, nice. which was, which was fun. Right. But it's like in the nineties in the summer outside, Everyone's dressed in shorts. And then you realize you go in there and like there's a platform over ice and the whole place is blowing cold air to like accommodate that ice. Uh, so like don't dress for the summer when you go to a culture there in the summer. It's fucking cold, man. <laughs> At least your beer doesn't get warm. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Love that. So um, are you familiar with Piper Shaw, who is like the – tv host for the kraken oh yeah she's beautiful yeah she's also like a huge pop punk and emo fan and like it's cool to see what some teams do to kind of mix in the alternative world like our buddy kyle with the dallas stars does it all the time and uh for example and you guys went on tour with them kyle's the one that's kind of made bryce avery like the music celebrity for the dallas stars so like he is he is yeah what they've been playing like rocket summer songs at the in the arena and bryce like literally posted a picture yesterday of him like in the suite at a dallas game like rocking a bryce avery dallas stars jersey was that i I was you know that future has a new single called puffin on zooties and in that single he says, my bitch is from Dallas. My bitch is a star. And I wonder if that's a stars reference. It's got to be, right? It's, gotta like, be. it's either got to be a stars reference or like a Cowboys reference for like the cheerleaders. Right, right. Um, but anyways, that's kind of cool. Future's trouting out Dallas stars. Well, I don't know. And hip hop has always, has always had this weird love relation, like love-hate relationship with hockey too. Like especially really? like West Coast hip hop. You would see, like, in the early 90s, all the oh, hip-hop Kings artists would gear. wear that. The King's gear, dude. Yeah. King's Always gear. wore the King's gear. Yeah. yeah. That was and a even big nowadays, thing. like, you still see, like, sometimes you'll see, like, Flyers jerseys. You'll see some Penguin yeah. jerseys. Rangers jerseys, for sure. 
Um, it just all depends on kind of like who's going on and where. I would have loved to see some like outcasts and like some thrashers jerseys back in the day. That would have been sick. <laughs> uh, well, our bass player is wearing a Boston uh, jersey in some of like the promo pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of funny. I was like, Kirk, where'd you get that jersey? He found it at a thrift store. And I'm like, those are expensive. Yeah. And it's signed. Just oh, random. What? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so weird. Probably Man, just like how, how about Boston fork. falling apart? Ooh, well, I, I think everyone loves to see that, and eventually, everyone would love to see like Toronto fall apart. Yeah, and seeing the Rangers fall apart was awesome, and I'm like not even just saying that because I'm an Islander fan, but seeing what they did at the trade deadline and having like literally just like it work. an all star team, and they still couldn't make it past the first round, which just no. like when you think about the NBA, when you know, when all of those like superstars all like went the to, heat or yeah like went, the, yeah the like when they State all went Knights. on the same team like they always win like mm. in hockey that just doesn't work it which is just what what makes the playoffs so special for hockey yeah, yeah. Well, except for except for this year when you've got like you know the lakers barely making it into the playoffs you know they, they had to survive a almost you know get into the play-in round and you know they've got lebron james hey. you know, ar- arguably the best player in basketball and anthony davis one of the best players in basketball and i mean you know they lost 35 36 games you know they Some weren't a good team together so, so yeah it's it's you know sometimes when you make a make a super team you know everybody can love one another but if they don't gel you know I love the my favorite. I mean, if we're just gonna talk NBA for two seconds, I love the Heat story this year. I mean, you got yeah. the eight seed Heat who lost the first playing game, squeak in in the second game, yep. beat the number one Bucks. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler going off for fifty five one night, forty four the oh. next night. Conspiracy Insane. theory that he's Michael Jordan's son. You heard that one? <laughs> <laughs> There's been some weird conspiracy theories I heard, but not that one. It's real, dude. Look it up. I mean, it's for real. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's 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 just crazy to see. Like, I, I we were it was funny because we were we were up in the the Carolinas ripping a few gigs this past weekend. And we were listening to Bill Burr on the way up, and Bill Burr's podcast. He was talking about playoff hockey, and he was like, "Look, man, everybody was talking about like, well, this is before the Bruins lost, but he was like, everyone's talking about oh, the President's Trophy curse, blah 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 blah." He's like, in playoff hockey. You are zero zero. What you did in the in the regular season does not matter. It is all like everyone has a clean slate and everyone's going and he's like, you never know what will happen in playoff hockey. And same thing with basketball too. Basketball is very similar where you can have an eighth seed team come up out of nowhere and take the Stanley cup. We saw it with the Bruins in 2011. You know, they, they were wild card. No one ever thought that they would have come and they literally burned down the city of Vancouver. So (laughs) Yo, I was in Vancouver for the Olympics when it was the USA against Canada for the gold medal game. And that was a party. I mean, Mm -hmm. Vancouver exploded. I've never seen anything like it. Um, People told us uh, not to tell anybody we were Americans in the uh, event (laughs) that we lost. Uh, It was a whole thing. And so we literally, we drew little curly Q mustaches on our face with a Sharpie. And we wore the Canadian flag like a, a like cape. a cape, yeah, around. And then we we're like, yeah, we're we're Canadian. We're Canadian. <laughs> it's it's funny. Like I I I remember I remember when the when the Bruins won. I remember when the Rangers won when I was a kid. And and 
94. Vancouver literally burnt to flames the first time. But I remember vividly because I was I was way older. I was in my 20s when the Bruins won. And I remember watching all the highlights. And I think one of my favorite highlights, and I'll always say it on this show, the dude got hit right in the Charlie Browns with a flashbang. And the flashbang bounced off and then just ignited like like maybe like a half a foot away right in front of them. And I and they have it on the internet in slow-mo. And I will watch that every time the bank, every time the Canucks lose. <laughs> Uh, I went into the Kraken game when they played the Islanders here in Seattle. Um, you guys do not travel well. There were not very many Islanders fans at that game. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, I think it was just because – was that January or December? It was like – Early season. The, yeah, it was like after the holidays. I feel like if it was a, you know, early fall, like, weekend game, you would see more Islander fans there because um, – one of our superstars actually played minor league hockey for Seattle. So like, I think you mentioned this last, last time we did this. Yeah. So there's like secretly a small little pocket of Islander fans just because like, they didn't like grow up on long Island or anything. Like they became fans because they followed him when he made it to the Islanders. So there's definitely some Islander fans out that way. Well, I guess like the next game I went to was the Bruins early in the season. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I mean, well, so a, a, a thing about Seattle, like Mariners games, there's always just as many or more Red Sox fans for some reason. Mm. And so I'm like, is this going to translate to hockey? And like, it did, dude. Yeah. There's so wow. many freaking fans. There. They're all bandwagon fans, too. Absolutely. Yeah. But speaking of, of uh, bandwagon fans and playoff hockey, good time to talk about DraftKings really quick. One of all our right. sponsors. So light the lamp during the hockey playoffs or DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with promo code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.com. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so Nick. Rocky, I'm so glad you took that because I would have read it as Hopeney. I would have one hundred percent said eight seven seven eight Hopney or text Hopney, not even thinking it was Hope New York. <laughs> yep, Hope Hope NY. But uh, Nick, you know this has been like so full circle, having you know talked with you before you guys got the team, and like you were kind of on the fence back in the day, like were you going to get into hockey or not? And it's cool to see that you're 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 falling in love with it, and. To bring it even more full circle, we, we talked before we started recording, you know, Gatsby's American Dream was actually on an NHL soundtrack for EA Sports. And now, you know, when you were talking about how you had some younger kids at your reunion show, I'm starting to think, I was like, man, what happens if there was like, you know, a seven or eight year old that was playing that game at the time and, you know, obviously wasn't going to shows or anything like that, but played the game so much that they 
all these years later, like continued to be Gatsby's American dream fans. Like when you weren't even a band or doing anything. And then this moment happens and like, Oh my God, like this is the band that I discovered as a kid playing NHL 07 or 08, whatever it was like that. There's definitely a possibility of that. Totally. I mean, so, okay. So I work as an electrical contractor in Seattle and, uh, one time I'm doing this job for this guy and he's a, he's a Canadian uh, builder and uh, we're just kind of working the job. You talk to people and talking about, Oh, he's got his funky Canadian accent. I won't attempt it. But he was basically telling me that like him and his buddies, all they would do is like sit around, drink beers and play NHL hockey. And so I'm like, and I'm like thinking like, yeah, how many years you've been doing that? And then he like told me like the year that he was like, yeah, like, Oh, we're in there. I'm like, have you ever heard this song before? And he's like, it's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I love this song. Like, that's my band. He like lost his shit, bro. And all, all his friends. This was not like a music fan. This is a like he's a hockey fan. He's a hockey fan, and he could give a shit about music, but he heard that song when he scored a goal and beat his best buddy or some shit. And anyway, it was ingrained in his memory. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That's a fun thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been ripping NHL 21 now for like months and months and all of this like downtime i've had like i've just like played into like my 15th season and it's just like absurd but <laughs> when i tell you that like the idol song on that soundtrack and the 1975 song on that soundtrack i've heard hundreds of times like yeah. and they're in my brain like wake up wake up wake up it's sunday morning something it's something uh the 1975 song and like it's just there and it's never leaving because of how many times i've heard it and that's probably you know if you could just imagine the serendipity of like someone like walking into like the club that you were playing just to like get a drink and being like wait a second (laughs) i remember that song from 14 years ago ripping it up as like Vincent LeCavalier or something or <laughs> well, whoever hey, this, you might so, be in NHL 07. So to your point, like this is a kind of funny real thing that happens. So in order to gear up for this show, we've been practicing for months and months and two practices a week and we're going pretty hard. And it was really hard initially to find a practice space in Seattle because as yeah. much as Seattle's known for music, uh, the tech sector took over the whole town and you can't find a shitty room to rent and practice music. However, there's a superior auto service in Ballard. Shout out, giving them a plug. They have a room upstairs and they let us practice in that room. Um, <clears throat> well, one night we're practicing and uh, this kid like is changing the oil on a car downstairs and he freaks out because he's hearing like one of his favorite bands he grew up listening to playing his songs like right upstairs. So imagine that, dude. You're changing oil on a car at work and you hear like, Oh, is that fable? Like he like yeah. he literally heard the music, and then we inv- and then he takes pictures and so like I don't know, but right before I played a show, we had a couple pr- pictures from our practice space, and that was him that took those pictures. Nice. And he's the only person who had seen us play music in 15 years. He was the first one. In fact, we got nervous when he came in the room <laughs> because we we're like, no one's heard us play in so long. You're the only one. And then. uh I literally blew out my voice that night because we ended up playing like way too many songs, even though we just practiced for two hours. And I literally lost my voice a week before the show because we were so geeked out to play music for somebody. Yeah. And uh, anyways, it was just, 
Yeah. He probably was like, wait, it's like a cover band ripping Gatsby. Like, is there a Gatsby cover band? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. It's America's Gatsby dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like the, the seven year old that played, you know, that ripped, you know, NHL 07 was like had the phone about his head saying, play theater. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's... we used to just have to yell at you like orphans, orphans, yeah. <laughs> Man, kids got it easy these days. We played an 18 song set, or I think it was 20 songs. We played like a lot. That's a long ass. That's a lot yeah. of songs. I mean, um, and so it was funny because most things people requested, I was like, yeah, we're playing that one. Or yeah, we're playing that one. Except one person requested a random song. I was like, sorry, no, we're not. Man, we're not. That's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was We're Not Orphans in, in the set list? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Can't can't not right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there there were times that you did not play it, and Tom and I were very mad at you guys. But that's the jam, then. That's your guys' jam. That's the jam. Yeah, cool. That's really cool. Oh, I there mean, was... there's a, there's a lot of jams. You got jams. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. I felt bad for the kid. There's some. My neighbor came, and and so I was asking her about her experience. How was how was your experience down at our show? I didn't see her down there, but. I love hearing people's like what their whole time was at the show that I didn't see. And it's like, oh, I met these guys from Texas and their best friend, he bought a ticket, he flew his brother out, he he had a camera equipment ready to go, and this guy's a drunk heap on the ground and it's like missed the entire thing. <laughs> they took his camera, took pictures for him, and like they bought him merch and shit, like good friends, but he was just in a heap and like on the side of the room. Partying too hard. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's that's what happens. Like I can remember back to being in my early twenties and like doing shit like that, like getting so pumped to go see a band <laughs> and thinking like, I'm going to just drink my face off. Cause I'm so pumped. And then like, by the time you get to the band, you want to see, you're like barely like sitting up against a wall, like for real, not, not remembering any of it. Like yeah, that's that was, just, that was my time we, we had that. Band. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I didn't even make it to you guys. <laughs> but that happened to our buddy Jervich. Remember the yeah? It was kind of like a, a semi reunion when you guys took a couple of years off and then played that Albany show like randomly in Albany. Yeah, our buddy Jervich, who was also in like our Gatsby crew that always went to see you guys, he got so pumped and like drank all day to see you guys, and then we lost him during the show. <laughs> And then we go out at the end of the night. We're like, yo, we lost our friend. Like, we're in Albany, New York. We're not even, like, near home. And we go out to the car, and he's literally sleeping on the hood of our car. <laughs> like, I don't think he saw you guys. He's missing, like, he's missing a shoe. He had, like, his shirt was, like, ripped open. Like, it was, like, <laughs> it was, like, Mad Max, like, beyond Thunderdome. Like, well, shit, man. That was, that was me when the Seahawks won our first and only Super Bowl. Because, yeah. like, we don't win shit here, dude. Like, the Mariners set the record for longest drought without a playoff appearance. Like, we, like, no Sonics. Like, Seahawks going to the Super Bowl is a big deal. And we uh, we brought the Jello shots. And so oh, on the yeah. way, I'm going, oh, a couple of these are good. And, and then everyone passed them around every time we score. And we blew Denver out that Super Bowl. I don't know if you remember, but yep. that meant lots and lots of shots. Like, I don't remember the second half, dude. And I'm like, the only Super Bowl ever. Like, barely. Yeah. No good. <laughs> yeah. It's it happens to the best of us. Yes, sir. That was the Tim Tebow Super Bowl, right? When he was playing for the Broncos, 
Well, it was it was it was Peyton Manning. Oh, it was Peyton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was like zombie Peyton though. Like the only reason they were good uh, was because their defense and like yeah, Von Miller and shit. Dude. Yeah, Von Miller yeah. ran that thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. I uh, you know, Seattle just you know the heartbreak of you know trying to pass the ball and not giving it to Marshawn Lynch. Come on, we're not even talking about that Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no one's talking oh, about that after. Super Bowl. <laughs> Then that's but, the curse, bro. You cannot talk about winning the Super Bowl without somebody being like, hey, well, what about uh, give it to Marshawn? You're just like, give it a beast mode. You Like, how about we had one nice thing? Can we just have the one that we won without thinking about the worst sports moment of all time? It has to be, yeah. I don't know. I think the worst sports moment was Tom Brady missing the catch in the Eagles Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a lot more palatable when you have a zillion rings. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Well, my my apologies. I didn't mean to rip open such a such a dark, deep dark wound. But before I let you go, um, you know, because I'm back on the show and because I have these wacky ideas, I always like to do some wacky shit. So, you know, it's not not every day that we get to talk to uh, you know a, a band that was uh, you know running in in the same circles as a lot of other influential bands in the you know early to mid 2000s. So, I'm gonna play a little roulette with you. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to crunch it down. I'm going to name five bands that, you know, kind of ran the same circles. And I just would love to hear, uh, you know, any stories, any memories you have about them. You know, if you ever toured with them, any cool stuff or uh, if, and you know, if I hit one that you don't recognize, just be like, Oh shit, I didn't know about them, but uh, I'll try to keep it pretty broad. So uh, first one we're going to do, uh, I'm going to start with this day and age. Uh, I only know them as a thing I've seen on a t-shirt a bunch of times. Wow, I would have thought that uh, you would have crossed paths with them, but okay. I mean, that doesn't mean yeah. that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't don't have any necessarily remarkable things. Zero, to say. I have zero. I no, I don't know about them. All right, that's fair. That's fair. What label right. were they on? They were on one eleven. Yeah. Yeah, that was so random, Tom. I'm not even sure why you picked that band. I figured that would have been a been a been a home run. All right, number two. Uh, Finch. Oh, Finch. Love those guys. Uh, never toured with them or even really knew them when I was in Gatsby's, but became friends with R2K after Gatsby stopped because he wanted to start a project with me and we were going to call it Gazillionaire. That was the working title. <laughs> okay. And we actually have demos that we recorded. And awesome. But I went down to LA to, to work on music and I said, all right, dude, I'll be there tomorrow. Like we booked. And then he said, um, Oh, I'm flying out of town tomorrow. And I said, well, that's too bad. I'm coming to see you in Los Angeles. And so he gave me his keys and his car in downtown Los Angeles. And I had them for a week, which was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, another time I went down there to work on music with him and we thought we'd try the fun thing of robo tripping. Weird of robo tripping, take too much robo tussin. Oh, yeah, tussin wolf. Yeah, so we were going to attempt that, but no robo tussin was to be found. Instead, <sighs> we each drank two family sizes of uh, NyQuil. Yeah, and his, NyQuil. <laughs> yeah, and his girlfriend walks in and looks at us and just goes, You guys are fucking idiots. You're just going to feel like shit and fall asleep, which is exactly what happened. <laughs> um, so that's my finch story, I guess. <laughs> That's a that's a sick story. I love that. Could have could have been your label mates, right? Weren't they on drive through? Yeah, but we weren't. Oh, I, but we, no, no. But like, what, isn't that kind of the whole thing? Like, they were the label that was like, "Why don't you guys write fucking choruses?" Yeah, 
in fact, they said, you know, we, we, when we, okay, when we played for drive through, they said, we had a band like you before who didn't like choruses. Uh, and they were the starting line. Once they started writing the choruses, they took off and then we're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for that vote of confidence. All right. Band number three of uh, the deer hunter. Oh, now, now, isn't that the dude who was in Receiving Into Sirens, Casey? Sure was. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so we toured with them, and they were super cool. And then one night, um, somewhere in the in the east, uh, we stayed at this person's house who had a massive indoor swimming pool. And then adjacent to the swimming pool, uh, they had, like, a band room set up. And it was like, okay, let's get the most talented dudes from both bands and put them together. So we got the most talented drummer, who is Rudy, our drummer. And then we got Casey to go crazy with Rudy. And I'm telling you guys, that's the best jam session I've ever seen in my fucking life. Casey Crescendo going nuts with the best drummer and then whoever holding it down on bass. And it was like, no one's trying to sing. We're just like, oh, like, yeah. A bunch of dudes who are not supposed to be impressioned, like, uh, um, we're not supposed to be impressed. We're all professional musicians, and all of us were just like in awe. So that was pretty cool. That sounds love like that. a sick house, too. Shit. Yeah. yeah. That's like, I'd love to have a house like that. Yeah. Just sick. like band room, just like, hey, you next know, to an indoor pool. Go hang out in our indoor pool. Uh, all right. Uh, second to last band, uh, we're going to go with As Tall as Lions. Oh my God, as tall as lions, Long Island. Yo, Long Island got your own kind of bravado. This cocky little, this, this yeah. is it machismo? Is it douche? There's somewhere <laughs> in the middle. I mean, is it endearing? Is it, is it not? Like, I, it's kind of tough to say. Um, who are we talking about? As tall as lions. <laughs> <laughs> the flex. <laughs> um i remember we we had a house party at dan's and so okay so dan the singer is like uh of course okay this is like the most long island fucking shit okay so uh i'm gonna make fresh sauerkraut in the kitchen and so he's like making fresh sauerkraut the whole house just reeks and i'm talking to some cute girl and she's like I need to get some cigarettes from my car. And I'm like, okay, fuck. Like, so can I walk you out there? You know, I'm trying to be a gentleman and stuff. And she walks out and it's like a brand new Range Rover. And I'm like, what are you? What, what is this? Like, oh, my dad invented Under Armour. I was like, okay. We we will protect this house. Is he that guy? She's like, yeah, he came up with that. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm in long fucking Island right now. Yeah. So Dan, the sauerkraut king of Long Island. And you know what he went on to do. Yeah, Yeah. he's like Olivia Rodrigo Grammy guy. Yeah, dude. Yep. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. It's true. And the rest of that band. I wonder if he needs sauerkraut for (laughs) (laughs) One of the the tightest rhythm sections. Oh, dude, Cliff is a G. You know, I think I... We're losing time, but yes, Cliff is a G. Seen in the band. He's back. Um, Cliff you know. is such. Cliff is also like the nicest dude ever. I love. Oh that. yeah, yeah. All right. Hell yeah! All I want right. to hear the last one, then, Tom. Last one. Um, we're gonna go with. I got. A, I got three left on the screen. I'm gonna pick one of them. Uh, a rapid fire. Let's, let's go with. Uh, let's go with cartel. Oh my right, god! Cartel. 
cartel. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so we toured with them and like, um, what was the singer's name? Will, I think. Will, yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. So Will, Will is a nice yeah. Will is a nice guy, talented artist, and fantastic singer. But he has a habit of before he goes on stage, I mean, us singers, we warm up. But you usually warm up in your green room or in your dressing room. Not well. He walks throughout the backstage, going in and out of every band's green room, going across the night and doing all these vocal warm-ups. <laughs> when we're just like, bro, like trying to have a conversation. Here comes Will, just in and out of every room, just singing his ass off. It's like, cool, dude. Just like, yeah. So, anyways, I was thinking about going to the just, just wait while Will walk by and, wait sang, for and, go, and then he oh, keep talking. Oh. Yeah, like that scene from Ace Ventura with the door. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, he, right. wants, he wants everybody to know that he was a professional golfer, too. You want, so that's another cartel thing. Oh, I didn't, oh, know, that. A, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he was a professional golfer. Or college, collegiate golf. He could have been good. He was good somewhere in that world. But uh, he looks like he would be good at golf. Oh, right. He does. For sure. Or tennis. Yeah. Or hockey. Yeah. Maybe. What wouldn't he be good at, right? <laughs> Singing. Good golf, golf. <laughs> No, he just—he looks like—he uh, looks like a first-round hockey draft pick. That's what he looks like. You're just going based on Adam Banks from the Mighty Ducks because he looks like Adam. Banks. <laughs> no, I'm Peter. thinking about first-round hockey draft pick by Christopher, Matt Christopher. <laughs> All right, like our guy no Devers. Devers, Bevers, Bevers, Bevers. I'm showing my hockey ass, by the way. That's how much I don't care, but I like that guy. No, it's good to like let's, him. Let's let Tom go through the, the last three for just for, for lightning round. Yeah, okay, so lightning round. Uh, fun. Okay, they're early November. Ace, dude, is that bad? Ace, Ace Enders, Enders, is that yeah. That's yep. all I know. Boom, next. All right, good. <laughs> uh, Hot Rod Circuit. Oh, uh, I like that one record. The album cover was very emo. It's like a girl writing or like a... Oh, sorry, yeah. not tomorrow. Yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, yeah. Great one. Love it. Uh, last, last... You can't just drop a guitar, man. We can't do that. <laughs> I dropped a water bottle and it tapped my guitar. <laughs> and the last one, and we already sort of mentioned them during the podcast, but Portugal the man. Uh, John, Zach, Kyle. I mean, we kind of started with them and... Yeah, dude. Those are the homies. Fuck did yeah. you start... Did you technically start with Portugal the man or did you like have... Runnings with Anatomy of a Ghost. Oh no, Anatomy of a Ghost for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of Portugal for years. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember, man, that they were like this weird post-hardcore band called Anatomy of a Ghost, and they were all from Alaska. And yeah, now look at them. Now they're they're that song that's like, and that song has been played everywhere, all the time. But good for them, man. You know, hard work pays off. Well, that was that was. Awesome. Maybe I'll do that segment every time we talk to somebody and I'll just <laughs> pick like 10 new bands and just be like, hey, do you remember fucking Thursday or something? And then they'll either tell me if they do or not. So, but Nick, man, uh, thanks for doing this. We uh, are really, really stoked to have you on. We thank you so much for talking some old stuff and some new stuff. And uh, we're super glad that you're, you're, you're into this shit now because hockey is so much fun. And uh, we're glad you're along for the ride. Um, so we'll definitely be uh, keeping you in our in our minds, uh, and hopefully we'll uh, see some cool shit in the future. We hope to see you guys playing yeah. out again. Um, so awesome! Uh, so 
Tom, Mikey, Justin. Thanks again, Nick. Nick from Gatsby's American Dream. I and the appreciate money you guys. Thank you very much. Woo! Appreciate you. Have a good night, brother. Peace.